Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You know, whenever I go to churches that are all one thing, uh, whenever I go to Calvary Chapel South Bay, I look out and I'm like, man, they got, it's just like a rainbow. See, black, white, Samoan, Asian, Hispanic, everybody is, it's like, it's a beautiful thing. The world should be able to look at the church and say, man, like, what do they have in common that they would all come together? You know, different ages, different races, Jesus, who we have in common. I believe that we should be able to model to the world how to do this thing. That's the beautiful part about Christianity. It's for everyone. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, He told us to make disciples of all the nations. In the book of Genesis, it says that we are made in the image of God. God created all of us, so why shouldn't everyone hear the good news? That's why in today's message, Pastor Bill speaks about how God didn't die for some people's sins, but for the sins of everyone. Jesus already paid the price, so will you choose Him as your Lord and Savior? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, as he continues his message, The Scarlet Harlot. When you see a system that's opposing Christianity, what should be your position on that? Can I befriend the system that's like, that you're against? No, I, for, forgive the analogy, right? Anybody here used to gangbang? Anybody here used to gangbang? No. <laughs> Anthony used to gangbang? No, so if, 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 you, if someone gangbang, right? When I, I, back in the 80s, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that transpire and grow. If you were from, like where I lived, it was, you know, we wore blue, that's where we were from. You couldn't change up, right? You couldn't, I couldn't leave my mom's house when I went to my dad's house for the weekend, that was in Inglewood too, but it was in the red part of Inglewood. I didn't get to change up for the weekend. When I, my first few weekends at my dad's house, meeting all the young kids over there, and it was like, they're from Inglewood family, well, I'm from Watergate, and it was like, what we doing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get to, I couldn't go to my dad's house and be like, can I leave all my blue clothes at mom's and wear red clothes at death? No, I'm on a team already, you know? I grew up with those guys, you know? So it was, I guess, knowing each other young enough, you know, it was always all good and all love and everything. But you couldn't change up. You couldn't switch teams. That would be the, the dumbest of things, right? I'm not, I'm not supporting gangbanging. It's stupid. But I think when Christians do it, how much more should my commitment to Christ be than then there's some gangbanger out there that's like, no, I'm repping my blue and I'll fight for my blue, die for my blue. I'm representing Jesus. I can't be bending and folding when I move over here. And it's like, I'm not going to bend and fold for you. This is everything to me. Everything to me. Everything is wrapped up in Jesus. That's my savior. He died for me. No one else did for me what he did for me. I don't love anybody more than I love him. No system, no group, no religion, no privilege, nothing. Him above everything else. And so when we step into places and it's like, man, that, that place is, they're opposed to what I believe as a Christian. I'm, I should stand my ground. Then maybe I can't be here. Maybe we can't, we can't be, I can't be a part of, of that thing. But don't fold, don't yield, don't give it over. I think that as believers that we have to be able to identify that we live in a fallen world. There are fallen systems all around us. And, and, and in those fallen systems, they're not going to be friendly towards believers. At the end of the age, they're going to actually kill them. They might not be able to kill you today. It might, we're not that far down the road, but they feel that way. As you look at some of the systems that are in place now and people that have agendas and they want to push things forward, you know who's in the way all the time? Us. People want to move forward. Let's just change the marriage. and what mar No, Christians are the ones saying, no, marriage is a man and a woman. They sick of hearing that from us. 
But that's just, I mean, we don't get a new book, amen? <laughs> like, I just, what it is. That's what a marriage is, a man. We're not going to redefine that for y'all. So we stand in the way. And so the groups that are like, man, we want to change that, they, they, they're going to end up opposing. And eventually, it'll be aggressive. By the time we get here, that's why I'm, I'm glad that I'll be raptured. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be about it here. Um, but by this time, you know, they're going to be, saints are going to be dying for holding their ground. Um, there are groups that are like, look, let's just have unity uh, of interfaith, you know, gathering and pray. I can't be part of an interfaith. Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth and the light. But there's no way to the father, but through him. I can't be at a gathering where you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil, you praying to the devil. And I'm joining you to pray to Jesus. That's we can't pray together. Y'all understand that? It's not being indifferent. It's just being real. We, we're not really, y'all aren't even praying. Y'all don't know it, but y'all are not even praying. Y'all can't reach heaven. If you're a Muslim and you're a Buddhist and you're a, a whatever, you know, y'all don't know God yet. I can't join hands with you guys and say kumbaya and, and take pictures. But because Christians feel that way, we believe that way. It's, there's an exclusivity to what we believe. The world is bothered by that. And so more and more as we move toward the end of the age, There'll be persecution towards the Christian faith. So persecution is a good thing. Persecution always purifies the church. Um, there's a lot less fake believers when there's persecution. So people that's just faking it, a little persecution hit, they can go on home. They, they, they not, they, they're not made for it. Um, persecution will purify the church. Uh, it, what's left will be pure and powerful. They're everywhere in the world where the church is persecuted is pure and powerful, but small but pure and powerful. It's real. So as we move in this world and we interact with the things around us, I'm I'm just exhorting us, encouraging us to to stand strong in Christ. So we should read every day. We should pray. We should be in fellowship. We should walk with one another. We should strengthen each other um, because more and more it will be a battle. There's a lot of things that will be against us and what we believe as you're trying to raise kids in this. Anybody that's got to deal with the public school system, you're going to be constantly fighting messages that your kids are being sent. You're like, that's not what we believe. Don't tell my kid that. Don't I don't want them to read that book. I don't I don't agree with that agenda or that perspective or whatever. It's going to be more and more and more as we move things forward, that these things will be happening in the world in which we live. And so now verse um, seven, it says, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? Because he marveled at this, the woman that was drunk with the blood of the saints. And so he said, why did you marvel? Why? He says, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, uh, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So we get we get all the information about the beast that we need to know. The beast that you saw, it was right now. He says it is not. But it's going to ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So ultimately, the beast is going to hell. Amen. So everything the beast does, whoever's riding the beast, whoever's associated with the beast, we don't want to be down with because the beast was going to find its way to hell. Ultimately, then it says, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel. Notice whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, earlier in Revelation, we saw that the beast uh, was killed and then resurrected. And people were like, whoa, 
and it, it caused people to to follow after it and go after. It. And so here it says that the people on the earth whose names interesting is that it's, it's those that are not saved, those that are not redeemed, those whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. And so I want to explain this real quick because it says that people's names are written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. How do you how do you confirm that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life? Because what we find as we come to the end of the book of Revelation, that's all that matters. Y'all know that? Can I cheat ahead real quick? I'm going to do it anyway. Um, in, in Revelation chapter 20, we'll, get, we'll be there in a few weeks, right? At the great white throne judgment in chapter 20, um, verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead and great standing before God and books were opened. Uh, I believe those books are the books that have the deeds of your life. All the stuff that you thought and did that shouldn't have did, shouldn't have thought. If you're a non-believer, uh, if you're a believer, your stuff's washed away in the blood of Christ. that don't exist as far as the east is from the west. And you'll be praising God in heaven. But if you miss that, you'll be here at the great white throne. Only non-believers make it to the great white throne, by the way. Then it says in another book, um, which was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in them. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hear this. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I'll stop there. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So to me, it becomes critically important. I want to be sure that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to understand how to be sure that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's this simple. All those that have put their faith in the finished work of Christ, that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the grave, and you have in faith surrendered to him as Lord, that group, those people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so those that have rejected Christ, those that have heard the gospel, but not yielded, not repented, not turned, not believed, not walked with, have continued in sin. Those are the people whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And so when books are open, the books of all their sins and all their deeds, it'll be read against them like a court date, um, like an indictment against them. And they'll give an account for the life that they lived in rebellion to God and ultimately die a second death. You know, so it's been said of the believer if you're born once, you die twice, right? Born once from your mother, you die a physical death, and then you die a spiritual death, what we saw there in Revelation 20. But you can flip it around. If you're born twice, you die once. So if you're born of your mother, then born again of the spirit, saved, then you only die a physical death. Then for you to be absent from the body is to be what? So it's all good for the believer, right? So we want to be part of that group that's born twice. So we either die once or... We're lucky we get to be raptured. I, I really am hoping I get to be part of that group, you know. Uh, but I guess every believer from every generation has hoped that to be the case. I'm good to know that whatever happens, I'm going to be with the Lord, whether it's through death or rapture. That's what I need to know. I need to be assured that however my life wraps up, it wraps up with me going to be with Jesus. And there is nothing more important in this life than that. As parents, nothing more important than you're going to give your kids than the gospel. Clear instructions, how to know the Lord, clear witness, clear example, nothing more valuable that we can pass down than this. This will matter more than anything else for eternity. It's the weightiest thing 
that we will ever discuss, take hold of, receive or reject is what Jesus did for us. And so here um, is those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life who are marveling at this beast. And then verse nine says, here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Um, some believe this to be a representation of the the revived Roman Empire. Um, uh, we know that there's parts of what we'll see in the end times that there definitely be power in Rome that's there. Um, verse 10 says there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. And so the, the seven kings are world leaders. Five of these world leaders have already fallen. Um, and so it says five of them have fallen and, and one is and the other one has not yet come. And so as these leaders fall, they're replaced by other leaders. So we we see that in the end time sequence of events, part of what Satan is doing is knocking down leaders and raising up new ones, putting in position those who he wants those that will hold his opinions, hold his agendas, so forth and so on. We see that today in politics. Um, and I, I can't say this anymore, you guys, that on either side of politics, I'm, I'm not for either side. I'm, I'm too much for Jesus to care about either side of the political system. I don't even believe in it at this point. So um, that's me, you know, so you may believe in it. I, I vote, I vote my faith. But I don't believe in a party. I don't believe in I, I don't believe anybody we, that we elect will do everything that they said they was going to do. Um, I just don't. Uh, I've never seen it be great. I don't believe that. It, I just I don't put any faith in that system. But I live in America, so I do my part as a Christian citizen of my country. Having said that, as you look at either side of anything, it's, I, that's what I'm always wondering. On both sides, there's more than even two sides, all the other pieces. I'm like, man, all these people. Satan's got his hands in them. And as they, you know, they got different agendas. They have different people that kind of look to them. So this faction of the country looks to that group and this faction of the country looks to that group. And so they tell this group what they want to hear. This group's telling this group what they want to hear. And I listen sometimes for just, man, what the enemy is doing in the midst of it. If nothing else, what I look at believers and I'm looking at believers saying, that's a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith in that system. Government. Think about what government government is men governing men. Be careful that as a man or a woman person, a human being, that you don't have faith in the system of men governing men. That's that's what Satan is going to use here. Satan's like it doesn't matter. I think Satan owns both sides of everything. He's like, I'm going to give them eight years. I'm going to give them eight years. I'll divide them the whole time. I'll keep the world divided. I'll seep it into the church. Folk won't even be able to talk. They say, man, you can't talk about, you can talk about anything but religion and politics with some people. You know why? Because people believe it deep. I mean, they believe it like they believe religion. You know, like they believe Jesus. I'm, I'm careful about that. I don't want to have that kind of conviction about something that's just man-made. That's just men making rules and giving false hope and making promises. This, it's just the word of men. It's not the word of God. So um, and then when I look at here is, is at the end, Satan's like, I got to knock down these leaders and raise up some new leaders and put people in place to do what I want. I wonder who's he have in place. I mean, as you look back, I mean, he's, I mean who's been in place? Who's what has been Satan's involvement in all that we see? The only thing that we can trust in is Jesus and his organization is the church. Amen. My heart is that the church would really be, be doing its part. 
that we would be we would be doing our part to have an influence in the world. Our voice will be different, distinct. The things that we say and what we believe would be very distinct and very different because uh, it comes from the Lord. But there should be a great unity about what we have to say and what's going on. Again, this kings, uh, some of them are fallen. Um, one has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. And in verse 12, the 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings uh, with the beast. And so these people that are raised up, these leaders, these world leaders are given power by Satan. They're given his, they, he gives them power for, it says for an hour. It's a, it's, a, it's a specified short amount of time. We're already at the end of the tribulation period. And so there'll be people that Satan empowers just for this moment. I got this person for that thing, for that moment, for this group, for this thing. He'll position them and empower them, knock down those that need to be removed, put people in power just for their moment to do their thing. Verse 13 says, these are of one mind. So they're united and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them for he is Lord of lords and kings of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Highlight that verse in this chapter. Because we're looking at all the wickedness and the beast and the kings and the this and the that and all these weird people and all these weird names. Eventually, they get bold enough to say, we're going to go to war with the lamb. Who is the lamb? Jesus, right? And they finally say, man, we've martyred the lamb's kids. Earlier it says that they were drunk with the, with the blood of the saints and the martyrs. They've been killing these kids. And finally, they get emboldened enough to say, now we're going to step to the lamb. We'll see that later in the battle of Armageddon. We're going to come and step to the lamb himself. We don't even get out of the verse. It says that they make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. Why? And don't forget this. He is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Lords are earthly authorities. Kings are worldly authorities. The Bible says he is the Lord of Lord, the king of kings. That means there's no authority above the lamb. Amen. So that's who we're connected. That's who we worship. There is none above him, none like him, none to be revered above him. There's no authority above the authority of the lamb. Um, it says, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. That's us. Who are those that are with the lamb? It's the children of God. Those that are, and we're called chosen and faithful. We've been chosen by the Lord and God calls us chosen and faithful. Verse 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. As the harlot sits on the waters, um, the waters represent nations and people. This is what God comes to save. As we get to the end of the book of Revelation, there's every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. Um, the enemy is going after the same thing God is going after. Always the case. Interesting to me that it's, it's multitudes of nations. God's not going after one people group. Amen. God's not racist. Amen. He's trying to say some of everybody that, that the church needs to remember that we got to we're living in not just a politically charged season. We're also living right now in a very racially charged season. You guys know that. So if you watch social media, if you look at the news, people are pushing agendas and putting out things. And there's a lot of racism, reverse racism. This group is mad at that group. That group is mad at this group. The church has to be very careful. 
no matter what's going on out there, right? I got to remain of the position that says I represent him. Amen. And I represent him to everybody. I can't be racist. I can't decide I don't like them or I don't like this, no matter what people have done. I got to believe that in my core, my heart, that I, I don't have room to hate because I've been forgiven of everything. And God says, now as a forgiven person, I want you to go out there and be a minister of reconciliation. Bad people need Jesus. Amen. Um, the worst people need him the most. I mean, they, they, they really need him. So I got to keep that in my heart. I can't get wrapped up out there and, and start, you know, running amok. And, and now I'm, I'm pro this or I'm against that. Or I'm, I pray that it wouldn't happen in the church. Uh, our church is beautifully sprinkled with some of everything. I like that. You know, whenever I go to churches that are all one thing, uh, whenever I go to Calvary Chapel South Bay, I look out and I'm like, man, they got it's just like a rainbow. See, black, white, Samoan, Asian, Hispanic, everybody is it's like it's a beautiful thing. The world should be able to look at the church and say, man, like what do they have in common that they would all come together? You know, different ages, different races. Jesus, who we have in common. I believe that we should be able to model to the world how to do this thing. And so here the waters represent peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues. Some of everybody there. Verse 16 and the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. So eventually they turn on uh, themselves with the ten horns which you saw on the beast eventually will hate the harlot. And they're going to make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. And this is why, for God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And again, representative of Babylon, that's the woman that we saw. So as we wrap up this chapter, this is the this is the takeaway. Strange chapter. Strange characters, strange people and all this different things. But here's what's communicated in the chapter. There is a world political religious system, Babylon, um, that is opposed to God and his people, the church, um, then and now. So not it's, it's, we see it fleshed out in, in here in Revelation during the tribulation period, but it's, it's alive and well here and now today. Um, we know eventually they go all the way to the pack where they, they go against God. They try to go to war with God and they ultimately are destroyed in that because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Ultimately, God wins. So for the believer, we can already know I'm already on the winning team. I'm with with Jesus. I'm team Jesus. But I also want to be aware that as I look at what Satan was using to control people, to move things Political powers, world leaders, systems, uh, beliefs, false beliefs, all these different things. Um, I want to be aware that in the world in which I live, all that's alive and well right here, right now. So I'm going to be careful about beliefs and systems and practices and politics and anything that would seek to influence me. That's not Christ. And that's my charge to you guys as the church. We would be very careful to let anything influence us. That's not Christ. Challenge anything that's influencing you. That's not him. Take heed to what you're consuming via radio, television, podcast, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Just consider what you take in weekly. And if you find it, man, there's some stuff I take in that has strong opinions and views and opinions and stuff that's not from Christ. 
Challenge that. Consider that. Rather, you should be consuming that and taking that in. More and more as, again, the time for his return comes close. I want to be immersed in him, that I can be a great witness for him. Because everybody around me needs to hear more of him and more from him. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, that phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.